If you look around, there are so many ways to make a difference. At Capella University, our FlexPath format gives you a different way to earn your degree. Take courses at your speed. Move on whenever you're ready. Education should fit your life. Learn more at capella.edu. Three, two, one. Never has there been a better time to be alive in human history. If you're not feeling it, you must discover why. Join Matthew Bolton in developing and applying a framework of objective optimism toward a flourishing life of meaning, health, and happiness. Here's your host, Matthew Bolton. Hi, everybody. Welcome to Mr. Brightside. I'm Matthew Bolton. Today's show is an interview with guest Jim Getz. Jim is a strength and conditioning coach. Uh, he has coached many pro athletes and a wide range of athletes in a range of sports and a range of levels. He also has a wide, ra- wide range of knowledge in many aspects of health and uh, strength, conditioning, fitness, nutrition, uh, biohacking, all sorts uh, that you're going to hear about. Um, he There was a little bit at the end, we talked about the Jays. He used to work for the Jays back in the day. Gave me a little take on what he thinks of them. Um, we mentioned his Keto Project movie, which is coming out maybe in a couple of years if everything uh, goes very well and sounds very exciting. You'll hear all about this stuff. You'll learn a lot in this interview, and I'm sure you're going to want to seek out more information from the, all the leads he gives you uh, on various topics. Uh, we, we talk about coaching uh, primarily at the beginning as well, so that's a really big topic that's important to me. And just he talks about how to be a better version of yourself, and I just don't think there's any kind of better mission than, than uh and the kind of things he's working on and how he helps people. So go on and learn about Jim here. Uh, it's a really fun interview. I enjoyed talking to Jim so much, and I very much appreciate him coming on. Go enjoy, everybody. Hi, everybody. Welcome now to our interview. I'm joined by Jim Getz. Jim Getz has passed both the chiropractic and physiotherapy national board exams and pursues a passion in the optimization of human performance. He has an extensive background in the field of strength and conditioning and is a certified strength and conditioning specialist through the NSCA NSCA and holds numerous other certifications in human performance fields. He has coached a variety of athletes in strength and conditioning, ranging from high school national wrestling champions, NCAA Division I football, NFL, MLB, MLS, USA Gymnastics, Olympic athletes, NCAA women's basketball, professional boxing, and NPC women's figure in bikini divisions. That is quite a range, Jim. Jim has published numerous numerous articles ranging from ADHD to the advancements of understanding nutrition and how the human physiology was designed to utilize them, as well as the book Biohacking the Brain for Success. Jim strives for extraordinary in everything he does, but he realizes extraordinary is achieved not by achieving extraordinary feats, but by doing the ordinary day in and day out better than everyone else. Through cutting-edge research and focused care, Jim Getz strives each day to help bring the performance of individuals to levels never before thought possible. Jim, sounds exciting. Uh, thanks for coming on. Uh, my pleasure. Thank you so much, Matthew. Thank you for having me. All right. Well, um, before we start, I must say, uh, whatever you want to object, I must say to to listeners, uh, I want to tell you this is not Jim's first time on the show, um, but people would not know it because I failed to record the episode. Now, I've told Jim uh, several times already, but I want to say publicly today how much I appreciate his attitude in dealing with this and in agreeing to get back up to the plate and record again. Um, I want to be clear that, of course, Jim was the injured party in this, right? It was his time and energy he gave, which I wasted. But I want to, for a moment, if you can just empathize with me for just a second, I would ask people to imagine my horror and subsequent heart drop. It wasn't a minute or two after the call that I started to realize, wait a minute, what what's going on? And that it didn't record. Um, 
not only have I lost an excellent interview, we had a great chat. I thought it was one of my favorites, uh, maybe my favorite. I don't want to disparage any of the other guests. But, um, but more, imagine more that I had to tell this guest of mine that his time and effort had been squandered. So it was a little humiliating. And I felt quite guilty, right? So I sent him this pathetic and apologetic email, albeit straightforward. And uh, you can imagine now, knowing all this, how I felt when he responds, essentially, stuff happens, let's do it again. <laughs> so, you know, unreal. Oh, by the way, then we reschedule a couple weeks ago. And the short story of this is there was another miscommunication and we did not get on the call. Um, and even after that, Jim is back up to the plate again. So, Look, guys, you can tell a lot of pers- about a person's character when they're faced with adversity. And with that, you can see why Jim commands the respect and gets the most out, out of the athletes he coaches. So, Jim, I think your put-it-behind-you-and-make-the-next-play attitude is what winners are made of. Um, and I can't say enough how much I appreciate your leadership. It meant a lot to me, and I'm really glad to have you back on here. Thank you. My pleasure, Matthew. Not, not a problem. I mean, stuff happens. It happens to the best of us, and, you know, I can get angry or we just keep moving on. So um, I always found the best thing to do, forget about the past, where are we right now, where do we want to go, and here we are, let's move uh, move forward in the future in a positive manner. Sounds like a very optimistic attitude. Um, I, so you, again, we said how, how wide your range is, but we don't want to pull it too thin in one show, so I'm going to get on a few things of interest here. Coaching, for one, is, is one for me. I want to wonder how you describe your role and experience as a coach. What does it mean to be a coach? as a coach it quite literally means to get more out of the individual that you are working with you know if somebody has only so much potential that's great but i want them to get just a little bit extra potential if you know the best they're going to be on a scale of one to ten if they play say uh hockey is a three i'd love them to get a five now obviously i'd love everyone to achieve hall of fame championship status but if they're not going to um Whatever we can get, whatever we can eke out of them and make them a better version of themselves at all times is always the goal as a coach. And there's a myriad of different techniques, uh, tips, tricks, uh, whatever you want to call it, but really it comes down to experience. You, you can't really go to a textbook and say, okay, I'm going to coach chapter four, paragraph three says to do this. Well, that may have worked for that one person where the author was thinking about yeah. when they were writing that book, but no two athletes are the same. Sometimes an athlete needs a arm put around their shoulders the other times they need a good swift backhand to the side of the head. Depends on the individual, the time, the place, all that. And eventually over time, just with experience, you truly understand and know what to do. Right. And that, that's what really makes a coach. Excellent. I guess you can't really, yes, you can't particularly necessarily write a book, but we can pick the brains of people of experience and, get, and uh, gain experience ourselves. So I want to go with the mentality, the mindset of athletes for now. What are some differences in mentality by sport? You have coached so many different ones. <laughs> what have you seen? Uh, sure. Um, uh, we'll start with my sport here, baseball. I'll say that that's where I played, where I loved. Yep. And uh, baseball players are, we are the biggest pansies on the face of the earth. <laughs> <laughs> I only say that uh, baseball players typically um, I'm not saying baseball players are not hard workers baseball players are hard workers but when it comes to putting forth the extra hard sprints the extra weight um, just really not happen uh, when that is compared next to say a high caliber elite football player they're going to run into a wall head first for you and even the difference between a elite football player in the NFL level 
versus an NCAA athlete, the NFL players typically, they work hard, but they've got it. They've made it. They want to keep their career going longer. The NCAA athlete has not made it yet. They're going to run through a brick wall or two just to get to that next level. Right. Oftentimes, guys, when they get the pros, you know, the idea between longevity is are you getting your 8 to 12 hours of sleep per night? Are you doing the things to rest and recover? Or are you finding a new likely hot spot because you're the hot thing now and your career is only two or three years as a result of it because you're not recovering properly? Uh, the soccer players, uh, not to pick on them too much, but as a baseball team, we picked on them. So if I'm calling us a bunch of pansies, what do you think soccer players? And I've had privileges to work with the guys, and you're laughing here, and I, I'm not bad-mouthing them per se nope. as the fact that we used to goof around in the locker room together versus a soccer player as a baseball player. Yeah. Um, hey, I'm laughing. Different... Soccer was my sport. Soccer and hockey are my two sports. <laughs> my real, like, high-level which is like night and day here, hockey versus soccer. Soccer, yeah. everyone's taking a dive. Hockey, you're it's not a dive. You're They're going down hard for a reason. I mean, mad respect to hockey players. That is one of the roughest sports going. Absolutely love watching it mm-hmm. um, as a fan of that aspect and uh, just getting to know hockey players, but uh, rough, rough sport. So it depends on the sport, depends on the contact, depends on that mentality, how much of a primal – nature you need for it you know baseball is a lot of skill yeah uh, fine motor skill hitting the ball that's moving and dancing all over the place is a lot different than you know catch ball hit somebody hard big difference big time uh yeah i was, I was just curious you said like um baseball players maybe you're trying to do strength and conditioning and they're not maybe willing to on uh, on average willing to do that extra bit like nfl players are for example what are they willing to do are they like going to do more reps at bat they feel like that's where they want to put it in or there's different breeds of baseball players and it's evolved over time guys nowadays are going to be doing a lot more functional training back in the day when weightlifting started everything was mostly bodybuilding you know one uh one body part per day in the gym doesn't really translate over very well into throwing hitting and running Guys now a lot, not to say that they're not going to do some bodybuilding type movements, but a lot more band work, a lot more agility work, uh, hand-eye coordination type work, and things of that nature. But baseball players, what do we like to do? We want to hit the ball. And that's the most fun. You get to hit something as hard as you want with a club. How can you go wrong with that, as, especially as a guy? It, nothing feels better. I'm, I'm learning. Playing ball now. It's awesome. Absolutely. Hit that ball in the sweet spot. It feels amazing. Um, but some baseball players, they do want to throw up the weight. And they like throwing up the weight. Um, typically, the power hitters have that mentality. They're going to swing harder. They want to push heavier weight. Um, but that's not for everybody. Uh, good story here. When I was with the Blue Jays, the strength conditioning program there, they actually capped guys at what they wanted them to lift. Now, it never made sense to me on that because they said, oh, they're going to get injured as the season goes on. They're going to get tired. And when they get tired, they're going to get more injured. And my mindset was, well, all the research shows that if you're just trying to maintain or backing off, you're going to start to atrophy a little bit. You're going to start to go backwards a little bit. And that's where injuries occur. I was still the young guy at the time. And, you know, I'm not going to tell the head coach at the time. He was he ended up moving on to become the Canadian Olympic strength conditioning coach. So who am I supposed to argue with him, right? Uh, yeah, that's too bad that if that's the culture. But, yeah. One of their uh, – stud outfielders he could squat over 400 pounds but they capped him at 225 i i couldn't figure it out 
it, it just was what it was. Uh, I think sometimes mentalities like that hold athletes back from their true potential. There's definitely something to be said about it's a long season, and I fully appreciate and get that. Yep. But at the same time, let's just back off on the sets there. Let's continue to progress, utilize some type of periodization, and maybe you're the, the athlete's not in the weight room for an hour plus every single day. Maybe they're only in it for 20 minutes, but they're hitting the weights in a manner to which they can still stimulate growth and still stimulate their cells to continue to progress in a positive manner that's going to help translate onto the field and make them better ball players. Mm -hmm. Got it. Uh, Jim, you mentioned already that you have to deal with people in a different way. Sometimes they need a snap in the head. Sometimes they need, you know, the <laughs> other thing. But uh, as far as it goes, do you have to set an example as a coach? Is that a big part of it? All the time. you got to set examples, coach. No matter what type of coach you're at, you know, here as a strength conditioning coach, there's one thing to be said about a guy who can do everything the athletes can do versus guys later in their career as a coach. They're bigger. They're heavier. They're not going to be able to run or lift like the other guys do. Uh, I, I remember very clearly a couple hotshot guys when I was coaching uh, collegiate level football at University of South Florida. Uh, they, they, some guys are just genetic freaks. So they can get away with things, and oftentimes coaches allow them to. I did not. So when they are doing some Olympic lifting and they're really reverse curling because they're that strong, they can reverse curl 400 pounds off the ground. Um, I want to correct them. I want to get their form right so they can get that explosion that they actually truly need. Okay. So the first thing I got from this uh, lineman, who his name was all on the record boards, he eventually went to the Oakland Raiders there. His first words were, F you, coach. Like, what? Okay. <laughs> F me, F you. He said, yep. you do that. I said, tell you what, I do that. You do it the right way. Deal. I got it up, did it the right way. said, mm -hmm. all right, mad props, done. Yes. Even doing some core work, I was starting to, even was approached by the head coach at the time. And he said, you know, Jim, you don't need to be doing this kind of crazy stuff with them uh, when it comes to core. And I said, well, why not? Isn't it fun? He's like, yeah, all right, tell you what. I'll let you just run with it until it doesn't work anymore. And it was nice to him that he trusted me enough to give me enough leeway there. Yeah. So I was having to do some stuff on the stability ball. I think if I remember right, I don't know how I remember this. I was doing uh, leg raises on a stability ball while holding up on a bar behind them. And they're flopping all over the place there. Yeah, and a few guys, you know, this is interesting. Let's get around. What are we doing here today? I'm the one doing this part of the, the training for them. And, uh, you know, finally it was, you do that. So I do that and I do it well. And I'm not going to ever have anybody do something that I cannot do in the first place. Uh, even comes to supplements. I will not ever have somebody take something if I haven't already researched it and taken it myself to understand what they're going through. So I did it. I did it to perfection. After that, okay, whatever you need. Mm -hmm. So after the first two weeks with that program, I was fortunate I earned enough respect where everyone would listen and follow what I said. Same with the head coach at the time, uh, Coach Levitt. He was 50 years old, I'd say, at the time. And, you know, it's Florida. It's 100 degrees outside. It's August. And he's having them just do suicides up and down the field for an hour, just nonstop. This is the time of year we're going to build character or I don't need you on the team. Mm -hmm. And he's right there with them. I mean, he's not with the front of the pack. He's not sagging ass in the back of the pack either. 
Coach yeah. Levitt is holding his own, and everybody respected him for that because he's out there. And just seeing that to me meant so much that you got your head coach, the guy that's on TV all the time. He doesn't need to do that. He's getting seven million dollars in his contract. Mm-hmm. He's being, but the reason he's getting seven million dollars in his contract is the fact that he's out there with them, respecting them, and now they're winning games as a result because they're buying into his program. And once they buy into his program, and it's a good program, then they win. And they moved up that year up to number two in the entire nation. So, uh, you know, it works. It works. Yeah. Once you get the respect of the guys, as long as your system works, once you get them following, I mean, literally, it's troops in a battle. No matter what level you're at, mm-hmm. your troops are following you. And hopefully it's to victory at that point. Very good. I, yeah, I'm getting an image of that meme that uh, that goes around the leader versus boss, and the guy, the boss is whipping, and the leader's pulling, right? So you, <laughs> you know that one. It's just, I'm hearing that in that story. It's perfect. Um, what are some different mental approaches uh, athletes apply when when training versus pregame? Like I know it feels different when I go to training. It feels different than when it's game time. And so, but how how do they? How do the pros do it? Best way is really to simulate game time. If you go into this is practice. Oh, who's it? Who, who's it? Uh, oh, uh, Ivers, Iverson. Practice. Thank you. Iverson. Practice. We're just talking about practice. <laughs> yeah, and Alan, when you get out there and it's the playoffs and you're playing like practice and you got all these experienced guys, you go up against Jordan or something like that, you're going to be his lunch. You know, you go into the practice with the same mentality as a game, it literally translates. It's no different. It's no different than taking uh, national board exams. If you know your stuff that well, you can take your national board exam, step right into it, and no problem, which should be the exact same as seeing an actual real patient, which is the exact same as being in a game. You know, if you're taking batting practice or slap shots or whatever, and you're just screwing around, having a good old time, well, it's a whole different feel of an actual game. You know, the pros, oftentimes, they will be simulating games. You've got your practice squads. And the guys, I mean, they're studs. Let's face it. And they have studied the other team. And the other team's plays are coming at you right then and there. They may be pumping the volume into the stadium as well. So now you got the crowd going at the same time. So when it comes to football, you've got to be calling your audibles and hearing the coaches over what sounds like a crowd with the exact same defense coming at you. So now you're really practicing a game situation. Mm-hmm. I find that all the more beneficial than if you're just out screwing around, you know, at that point, you might as well grab a couple of beers and some hot dogs and be a fan. Yeah. I, yeah. You want to recreate so that when you're there, your mind is just turned on to it, I suppose. Yeah. That's exactly I have- it. Yeah, I, I had a we had a coach in my youth soccer. He he became he was uh, at one time the Canadian national team coach uh, recently, Stephen Hart, um, and originally from Trinidad and Tobago. So I'm going to butcher his accent a bit, but he used to have <laughs> us he used to have us uh, wear shin guards when we when we train. A lot of guys train without shin guards, right? They pull the socks down. It's it's training, so you just go out. A lot of pros do, but he was like practice how you play, and then we were like go. whoa, and it was it's how we did it, and uh, well, he got a lot out of the players in in my province. So anyway, um, 
How about this? Uh, what are some differences in athletes? There's never been a better time to find out why BetMGM is the king of sportsbooks. Download the BetMGM app and place a $10 Moneyline wager on any NBA playoff game. If either team hits a three-pointer in the game, you'll win $200 in free bets. Just use code CHAMPION200 when you make your first bet. Sign up now and discover BetMGM's daily promotions, boosted odds specials, and more. Download the app or go to BetMGM.com and use code Code CHAMPION200 to win $200 in free bets if either team hits a three in any NBA playoff game. Visit BetMGM.com for terms and conditions. 21 years of age or older to wager. Virginia only. New customer offer. All promotions are subject to qualification and eligibility requirements. Rewards issued as non-withdrawable free bets or site credit. Free bets expire seven days from issuance. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-888-532-3500. Progressive presents Married to Your Home. I'm disgusting. Oh, house, don't say that. You could live someplace so much better than me. That's not true. Oh, yeah? Look at these uneven stairs. Gross. House, you know I don't care. Ugh, and the squeaky door hinge. I think it's cute. No matter how much you already love your house, you'll love it more knowing you could save big bundling your home and auto with Progressive. Coverage from Progressive Casualty Insurance Company affiliates and third-party insurers. Bundle discount not available in all states or situations. It's approaches in the mental way uh, these days versus days of old. So, um, you know, uh, I'm glad kind you of asked that at question. Our time, yeah. okay. <laughs> Back in the day, there's been some evolutions that I've noticed. Back in the days of old, old, and I'm talking about going back into the, the 30s, 40s, 50s, 60s. Okay. It, it seemed like the mentality of athletes from all the books that I've read, stories I've read from a lot of uh, reporters and coaches and even the athletes themselves talking about it, it was a lot more like a weekend warrior sport. I mean, the guys, let's face it, in the offseason, we got real jobs. Um, so alcohol is prevalent on the bench um, right after the games. Um, you know, Babe Ruth was eating hot dogs. High Cobb had peanuts in his back pocket. These are the things that the guys were doing. It was more of a fun thing. Yep, you, you're getting paid a little bit of money to do it. Now go get your other job. Now, as we've evolved, the guys have gotten more honed in on it. The truly top-tier athletes, I mean, let's face it, everyone's got a nutritionist now. Mm-hmm. There's smoothies being made in the locker room. Um, not to say that you can't get still junk food in the locker room. I'm still baffled on how you know you can find Twizzlers and pizzas are being delivered all the time. Wow. But the options for your smoothies, the options for all the supplements – Everything is still there. So if you want to be elite when it comes to nutrition, you absolutely can. Now, when it comes to the digital age, uh, things are going to get screwed up a little bit on that aspect. When the teams are banning Fortnite from the locker room and banning Fortnite uh, from the players who are up until 2 o'clock in the morning when they got to be in the field by 10 a.m. the next day because they're hooked on the video games Mm. or being hooked on posting – Facebook, Instagram, Snapchat, yes. you know, making their little TikToks in the middle of the game. That's going to distract you from playing here. So, yep. I mean, when it comes to technology, tools are amazing. Uh, you can use your Fitbit in a positive way. You can use heart rate variability. You can use uh, EEGs, all these many different forms in order to quantify and get stats of where you're at and then have a coach who can interpret all that and then create a program and then adjust and adapt on those programs to keep you healthier, to keep you faster, keep you stronger, and have all those tools for you to perform better out on the field. Mm-hmm. So technology can be used as a tool. 
it can also be used as something harmful in that case. So I kind of say it goes from being uh, pickup games from back in the day to much higher caliber, much higher quality athlete. So now the athletes are still good, but I think they're getting a little distracted at times. Not everybody, but they're still distracted. You know, one yeah. of the greatest reasons Michael Jordan and Tiger Woods were who they were, they didn't get political. Now you see every single athlete, and they're all talking politics. It's like, guys, play the game. Just yes. play the game. You'll be respected more on that one there. And it's a, it's tough because they're being asked about it. Mm-hmm. But guys like that were able to, I think, focus on the game more because everybody knew they dismissed it. You look at Derek Jeter. He was able to stay out of the light of politics and uh, controversy. Mm-hmm. Um, not to say that necessarily he was picture perfect, but he was respected well enough in order that they would leave him alone on that so that he can focus on the game. So it really is a lot about focus and being hyper-focused on things. Mm-hmm. My book, uh, Biohacking the Brain for Success, mm-hmm. I think I was a little ahead of my time on that one, writing that, meaning that you can be very well-rounded and very well-rounded human being, but in order to be an elite athlete, you must be hyper-focused. Tom Brady would not be who he is unless all he did was eat, sleep, and breathe football. And when he's not on the field, he's working out. When he's not working out for the game, he's studying film. And that has allowed a guy like that to have such a long and illustrious career. If you're not hyper-focused and you do have these distractions, you do have junk food, you are having to go to a strip club, you are having to go and uh, talk politics and be in the mainstream media all the time, now your mind is every which way other than on the game. And even if an athlete is elite and he is an all-star year after year, he's still distracted. That Mm -hmm. talent, I firmly believe, can be driven towards something more positive for him. Right, he could be an all-star, but who knows what he could have been. Right, if he hadn't been as distracted. Woulda, coulda, shouldas, and uh, you loathe ever hearing that, right? Certainly, yeah. Oh, man, and because I, I want to go to sports, first of all, to get away from politics. It's a place where meritocracy reigns, and yep. we just we just love the whole thing. And then um, on on top of that, it's like I want to see people be their best. I want to go see people doing superlative things. That's what I want to see it for. So while I am getting an all-star, I, I wish I could get, you know, just the and I'm really excited when I get these great players like Jordan or Tom Brady. And it's oh, yeah. just, it's great. It's great for the world. So, I mean, come on guys, get fully focused on this stuff, right? <laughs> Fortnite and all the other stuff. Um, one more thing on, on this, uh, on the mentality, our pros, um, are they well-rounded? And in this way, I, I mentioned to you last time, I mean more in specialization when they're young versus diversity in youth sports. Do they just take one sport and, and focus on it, or do they play a variety in your experience, most pros? Back in the day, they were well-rounded. They were playing every single sport and then some. Um, I have also read a lot of research and understand that being more well-rounded will prevent injury because now you're moving the body in different planes of motion and your body is able to become more balanced in that aspect of it. Uh, You're also learning different skills that can apply. So let's say uh, someone wants to play, keep on talking baseball. So you're going to play baseball. Um, Perhaps it might be good for them to play soccer in the fall, simply being because now they're working on footwork and agility. Now let's go to the wintertime. It's tough to play baseball in the wintertime. Let's play some hockey. (laughs) You got a lot more drive and there's so many different aspects of different sports that can apply to another sport and without getting somebody injured. Now I'm finding 
for some reason that parents are thinking that every kid is going to be the next superstar World Series champion. Stanley Cups over their head already, and uh, they're not even halfway decent in juniors yet. Mm-hmm. So they've been driving kids more and more to play a sport all year round. Yeah. Step one, the kid is getting a little bored, I'm sure of it, over time. It's the same thing over and over. I remember the first time I went from a 20-game schedule in high school playing baseball up in New Jersey mm-hmm. to a 70, 72, 74-game schedule wow. in college. Big then I played summer ball for another 50-plus games. So I'm playing over 100 games now a year from 20. And I got to tell you, I got burned out quick. I got burned out very, very quick. I was mm-hmm. fortunate enough to talk to um, – I was in the locker room of Tampa Bay Lightning game. I don't even remember who they were playing. <laughs> and David Wells was there when he was still playing for the Yankees, talking to, uh, with his son. Mm-hmm. And uh, I went up to him. I hadn't known him up to that point yet, and – Introduced myself. I told him I was playing baseball for the University of Tampa. I asked him if he ever uh, gets burnt out. And he said all the time. I said, great. H- how do I fix that? <laughs> I mean, here you are. You're an all-star. You, you pitch a no-hitter. I mean, he said he plays little games within the games. So while he's playing the game, it's like, can I hit a spot five times on the catcher? Can I get four strikes in a row? Can I, can I do all these little things? And, uh, you know, that's how he got through it. But to have to get through something, especially as a youth athlete, no, you, you just lost. You might as well go play Fortnite. I agree. In, in youth, I mean, come on. You, it's all about the fun. And it, and it should be for pros all the way through. But it, in youth, it's it definitely should. all about the fun. And uh, if you're getting burned out as a youth player, there's some trouble here. Yeah, it truly is. And especially as a youth player, especially in throwing sports as a youth player, you're now overstretching and creating so many little micro tears in the certain muscles, especially the arm rotator cuff. I think that's a great reason why so many individuals now are getting Tommy John surgery at such young ages. They're in the minor leagues. What are they doing? Tommy John. They just caught a cold off to the big leagues. Tommy John's happening like that. Finally, all these micro tears are becoming these major injuries. Now they have to sit out for another year. I, I just don't think it's worth it there. I think having that time to heal over the winter get back into a slow, gradual progression back into the main part of the season and then take that time off again. Not, not necessarily time off, but find another sport. Do something else because us guys, we like to be active. So sure. hopefully be active. Yeah, yeah. So I guess so in youth we're saying then it is you got to get involved in a lot of things to, to develop different parts of your life, different aspects of different games and different muscles and all kinds of things. So I firmly in, to prevent injury. I, me prevent too. Injury. I, different brain firing patterns. I mean, there's so many different aspects. I think it makes an athlete more well-rounded. So when they finally do get to a point where they can say, I'm going to settle now, not settle, but I'm going to choose one sport and just pursue and follow this one sport now, I firmly believe they're going to be far better at it or at least have the ability to progress much farther at it. Yep. I'm right on. I just want to, I have to have an expert say it. So it's, uh, you know, it can't just be nothing coming from me, but I, but I, in my experience and what I've seen, I'm all over that um, for sure. That's now we've, we've hit on a lot of strength and conditioning within this mindset talk, uh, but I will uh, try to fill in some stuff on specifically on strength and conditioning. What are some, um, you mentioned last time the halo sport. Yeah. Uh, right. What are some other new training methods versus I'll say our days growing up, I'm a little older than you, I know, but uh, but I'll still put us in the same camp here. But like, and what is the Halo sport? What are some other new things going on that's exciting versus old school? 
Sure. Well, the halo sport, for one, is uh, transcranial stimulation. So it literally it stimulates the motor cortex of the brain in order to pick up that fine motor skill quicker. So if it's a non-sport, if you're playing the piano, you can learn how to get that dexterity, move those fingers properly, and hit the keys in better accordance. Violin, I mean, any type of instrument that you want to play, it's wonderful for that. When you get into a sport, what is the skill of the sport that you're trying to learn? So you wear the Halo Sport as you're going through your dynamic warm-up ahead of time, and then take it on off, and then you're performing the sport that lasts for an hour to two hours thereafter, and you're just going to learn at a far quicker rate by stimulating the brain in that manner. That's uh, exciting. <laughs> oh, it really is. Uh, there's a Dynavision board, for instance. It really helps with coordination and speed and agility. Uh, literally choosing lights that are lighting up in certain firing patterns, and you're, you're kind of just smacking it. So uh, what was that uh, video game? Uh, Whack-a-mole. There's oh, no. Whack-a-mole, Whack-a-mole would have been good. Simon, I was thinking of here. Oh, sorry. Yeah. Yep. No, I, I would rather Whack-a-mole personally, but <laughs> Simon, Smash I, used something. Get, I used to get bored of Simon. <laughs> yeah. mm-hmm. But just hitting those different patterns... Uh, who was it? It was yeah. actually going back to Tom Brady. Tom Brady is apparently the world record holder and the fastest on the Dynavision board. And, and being a, sounds bad, being a terrible athlete as he is. No, yeah, I know. He is an amazing athlete. He's just developed that quickness on the mind so he can now read the different patterns and get rid of that ball all that quicker. It's also used a lot in NASCAR. Um, in order to help the drivers develop that quickness that you need traveling at, uh, you know, 200 miles an hour and uh, not dying. <laughs> yeah. Hey, it sounds pretty helpful to these guys. But really, that is a, um, that's amazing, that stuff. Uh, just, just the things that are available to people now to become, you know, they're already freakish, right? Uh, and, right. Just, and now they just become you know, absolute animals, uh, with, with this stuff. And I use the term animal savage beast all in a respectful way, uh, that I, I love what my friends refer to me that. So, uh, all that anyway, um, how can athletes prevent, you already hinted a little bit more, uh, at this, um, in doing various things, but how can athletes prevent and or overcome or treat injury? That's a loaded question. Oh, okay. <laughs> sorry. No, 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 no. <laughs> Step one here on this one here. A lot of athletes prevent. got to stop doing static stretching during their warm-up. It's been around and known dynamic flexibility as a warm-up foam rolling for decades now. But for some reason, I look at youth sports and the coaches still have them touch your toes for 10 seconds, pull up your foot behind you, hold that for 10 seconds, put your arm across for 10 seconds. This cools down the central nervous system. We want to be waking you up. You're getting ready to go into battle. You're going to competition here. Big time. Not to calm down. You're also stretching cold, so you're really creating microfiber tears. We don't want microfiber tears here. We want nice, smooth gliding here. Yeah. You know, that's step one. A lot of injuries occur because of improper warm-ups. Okay. When we can do a proper dynamic flexibility, where we are waking up the muscles, opening up the joints, getting rid of trigger points along the way here, Promoting blood flow, which is oxygenation throughout the entire body, flushing that lymphatic system, we are preparing to go in and either practice or play that game, as you should already be playing like you're practicing. Um, Another big one is staying in that optimal zone of training and or performing. 
Now, when we overtrain, there's that whole mentality of got to go, 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 go. Well, we're creating so much inflammation within our body that we're actually slowing ourselves down, weakening ourselves. I mean, if somebody wants to be good at a bench press, for instance, if they then bench press every single day, they're not going to be able to hit their max. They haven't had, let their body have a chance to have that physiological adaptation. Uh, I was actually podcasting with another guy earlier today. Uh, he's the head strength conditioning coach at Seton Hall, and he got into marathon running. Mm-hmm. And his first year out, he trained hard, did his best. Um, next year out, he had a baby, uh, had less time to train, and he actually found his time, his PR improved by 20 minutes. And he ran, it was a uh, hundred miles less in his training to prepare for this, if I recall right. Uh-huh. So sometimes more is not better. We need to train smarter, back off from it. Yeah. As opposed to just go, 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 go. Um, not sports so much, but not to pick on women so much, but I see women so many times they like to do every class going. You know, they, they want to lose that body fat. They can't get rid of that baby fat. They want to look like they did when they were in their early 20s again before they started partying in college. Yeah. And uh, so they go to every class going, and they got their personal trainer. And what they're doing, they're working out three-plus hours a day, but nothing's coming off, and they can't figure out why. Well, they back that down to maybe 30, 40 minutes, and all of a sudden it just falls off for those that listen. They can't figure out why. They just lower their inflammation. So when it comes to injury, retaining body fat, uh, recovery, the number one thing to do is lower inflammation. And we can do that by doing the minimal effective dose, simply meaning what's the maximum amount that I need to do, but minimal amount that I can do in order to achieve everything that I want. Yes. So that, doing that, any more than that really can is counterproductive. Yeah, minimal effective dose. That seems to be – is that what Mike Menser said back in the day? Mike uh, Menser was a big proponent, you know, high-intensity training, one set yeah. to failure. Okay, and, okay. Uh, Just, I've it, heard that term years yeah, ago. Absolutely works. Um, you know, why is it that we are working 16 hours a day if you can work four hours a day? That was uh, Tim Ferriss' book, The Four-Hour Workweek there. Okay, right, yeah, you good. Know, again, it was. it's all about minimal effective dose. What's, all right. The least amount we can do here. Uh, when it comes to supplementation, mm-hmm. uh, depends on the individual. I mean, I'm going to overdo it here and talk about lab work, but you know, forget we're doing even lab work to see. And I only like to do lab work to see if somebody is an IgG reaction or an IgA reaction. These are white blood cells. Mm-hmm. If there's a bacteria or virus in your body, white blood cells come flying out, and inflammation is caused. Inflammation in that case is a good thing in order to get rid of whatever bug that you have. Well, if somebody has a, a supplement, if they have an herb, if they have food, and they're getting an IgG or an IgA reaction to that, what's going to happen is the same exact thing as bacteria, virus, parasite, fungus in their body. They're going to get this inflammation. Now, we're trying to get rid of the inflammation. So for somebody, you know, olive oil might be great. Some krill oil, that was my favorite type of uh, fish oil there, simply because the anstaxin passes the blood-brain barrier. Uh, get your omega threes, um, you know, at least five grams per dose there. Uh, curcumin with some piperine in it uh, and some essential oil of uh, turmeric. Uh, that's another good one. Uh, there's so many different anti-inflammatories. CBD is another good one. But if you're having a reaction to it that you don't even know about, 
it's a counterproductive effect. So knowing exactly what the individual should be having, now we can pinpoint and say, all right, since you're in the peak of season, you are getting uh, hit a lot, or you're doing excess running a lot, or whatever it may be, and we want to keep the inflammation down, now we can pinpoint, all right, here's a supplement to be taken in that one. And another big boring one, and I only say boring because this is the easiest one, but no one wants to do because they're playing Fortnite, is yep. go to sleep. Uh, get your sleep every single night. Get plenty of rest. So when you wake up, you're actually feeling refreshed. and You don't need to have that jolt of caffeine. Anybody that needs caffeine in the morning to get their day going, it's a problem. You're not get, you're not actually well rested enough at that point. Sleep is a huge one that uh, that I've learned in the last couple of years. I can really see a difference when I get the you know, even that different hour, just a little hour earlier going to bed or making myself go to bed when it's not quite, you know, I want to hang out yes. and, and extend my night and party. <laughs> go to bed because you'll enjoy your next day. I really see it. Um, I, this is very exciting because inflammation, I, I mean, I'm aware of inflammation, but it's something that I haven't really thought of as a, th- it's like a new thing I have to pay attention to now. I like, I like to, you know, to, um, yeah, to focus on it and see how I can affect it because I wasn't thinking about preventing injury and being being optimal and feeling especially being older you have to i'm playing and i want to feel really good oh, inflammation yeah. is something i'm not paying attention to so this is great and a lot of people don't even understand inflammation if you don't actually see it you know yeah. if your elbow is blown up to, you know the size of a softball okay great you've got inflammation going on i get that or you're angry pretty or whatever easy. it may be right but no one can actually see what's happening inside your gut inside of your bloodstream uh, the first uh, time I really became aware of inflammation was probably close to a decade ago. I went to a continuing education seminar by Dr. Seaman, who is at, uh, uh, where is he? Down in Florida. Uh, Can't help you. Yeah, no. Um, National University. Thank you so much. You can help me on that one. <laughs> National University the time. Health Sciences. Uh, thank you. He was up in Jersey, went and saw him uh, talk, and he has this whole book calling deflame and how every chronic disease is related to inflammation. Now, as I started to put two and two together, started realizing, well, inflammation is more than just chronic disease. It's about lifestyle. It's about longevity. It's about recovery in sport as well. So inflammation is the number one killer. It's also the number one thing that holds us back and takes us out of that optimal zone of high performance individuals playing that game of life. That's something. All right. I'm, I'm focusing on inflammation. I got to figure this out uh, <laughs> for real. Like that's, that's awesome. So um, how about this? How broad is chi- your chiropractic, uh, you know, um, you know, whatever certified? Um, what, how is, what is a, what are some misconceptions about chiropractic? How broad is its application? Because people think very narrowly about it, I think. Sure. Uh, yeah, you're absolutely right. Unfortunately, people do think some think negatively about chiropractic. It's interesting. It's kind of like yeah. maybe negatively or narrowly, anyway, is what I said. But but maybe even negatively too. Yeah, I kind of throw those little both together. When you look at high level athletes, they see a doctor of chiropractic regularly. Um, you see a guy like Tony Robbins. He has he flies his chiropractor with him everywhere. And I think part of the problem why it is a narrow thought process is because as you're even saying here, chiropractor. Well, if you have a cough or an ear infection, where do you go? I go to the doctor. Now, chiropractor is a physician. It, the chiropractor is a doctor of chiropractic, a DC, like an osteopath, a doctor of osteopathy. Mm-hmm. But 
MDs, they don't have a doctor of medicine, it's a medical doctor. And there's been a lot of battle throughout the years between chiropractors and medical doctors. Even that uh, little red book that the uh, medical doctors were associations uh, being funded lobbyists were putting into libraries called Chiropractic Kills. And there's a lot of misconceptions on chiropractic. Uh, chiropractors back in 2000 uh, had a uh, pretty good lawsuit and won. Okay. Um, the only problem was it didn't really change much. And now chiropractors, doctors of chiropractic, yeah. battle themselves. You've got different schools of thought. You've got the straights, you got the mixers. The straights believe that align the spine and the body heals itself and you are you're cured you're healed now sometimes yeah absolutely 100 especially uh, upper cervical c1 it is a very powerful adjustment you do it right on the right people and their lives can change forever for the better now dd palmer then bj palmer the founders of chiropractic there they were into treating the whole body and in B.J. Palmer very much believed in using weights and physical therapy in order to heal the body as a whole. And the straights kind of forgot about that and just go by what B.J. Palmer often wrote in his, uh, in his publications, but not realize what he was actually practicing as well. Now you get the mixers who believe in adjusting extremities, um, using modalities, lasers, uh, ultrasounds, um, adjusting certain places on the spine, doing muscle work, um, ART, fascial work, and really treating the body as a whole. So it really becomes manual medicine. So I kind of adapted the idea of the chiropractic philosopher, which is a mixture. You take best of both worlds, let's put them together. Whatever the person needs to become a better version of themselves, let's do. So we're going to be doing upper cervical. We're going to be doing lower lumbar, we're going to be doing some ART today and follow up a little laser, um, all about movement patterns and correcting that pattern and imbalance. I truly believe that doctors of chiropractor practic are primary care physicians to the utmost. Before you go see a uh, PCP, it's the primary care, especially when it comes to pain, headaches, necks, um, dizziness, all these things, because the manual medicine works and it works very effectively you go to a primary care physician they are trained in more pharmacology than we are i've been trained in pharmacology but not nearly as much so they know what drug to prescribe yep. now if somebody wants to take a drug by all means go to the pcp if you don't want to take drugs go to the doctor of chiropractic now if the doctor of chiropractic for your treatments nothing is getting better then great refer it to somebody who can probably give a drug and go from there but nine out of ten times you don't need that pill mm -hmm. and you know that's the big difference so chiropractors the straights and the mixers have been fighting against each other i'm right i'm right mm -hmm. and then also preaching to the choir um the huge opioid crisis for instance uh, mm -hmm. especially in the united states yeah um you know doctors are writing scripts for opioids people are getting addicted to opioids and chiropractors are great at advertising and writing these wonderful, wonderful papers and research papers and giving these great orations and talks to other chiropractors. We already know this. We're not the general public. So how are we supposed to get out there and let the general public know and know here's the alternative if you're not actually getting out to the general public? And unfortunately, it seems really that chiropractors are allowing themselves to crumble 
in the middle and with insurance companies paying less and less uh, doctors and chiropractic are unable to stay in business anymore especially when you're getting a reimbursement of maybe five bucks which is not going to keep the lights on anymore mm-hmm. um, those in the know truly understand the great wonderful benefits of chiropractic mm-hmm. and doctors and chiropractic what we can do um, others just follow the old school thought and oftentimes the referral network does not include doctors and chiropractic you go from the PCP to the orthopedist orthopedist mm-hmm. the physical therapist mm-hmm. not to a chiropractor anywhere along that path which could oftentimes save somebody from surgery and yep. what happens a lot of times in professional sports doctor chiropractor is involved um, they get back on the field they can play their career is going longer I mean mm-hmm. why else it's the uh, team the uh, team physician for the USA Olympics at one point was a doctor of chiropractic mm-hmm. so athletes get it I don't understand why the rest of the general public doesn't get it other than chiropractors are slandering ourselves. I see. So how, how can people maybe get more educated about it? To, like, to, and, and can we yeah, draw them to, to think of that as, an, as a proper option? I think it really comes down to what resonates with people. I mean, it's all about marketing. You take this awesome can of Fit Aid. Yeah. <laughs> why is someone going to drink this can of Fit Aid? Because it looks pretty. They like that. They're attracted to it. They're drawn to it. It's in, oh, it says keto-friendly. Hey, that must be good for me. Uh, I see the recovery blend on here. I'm an athlete. I see all these things. You know what? I like it. I'm going to try it. And look, barely any caffeine in it. It's not going to keep me up all night. I'll take that. Same thing when it comes to a doctor of chiropractic. What is out there? What's going to resonate with you and the general public? What is the greatest need of a certain demographic of the general public? You know, is it wintertime up in the north? Well, there may be a lot more slip and falls on ice. So let's start uh, marketing towards that a little bit more. And I think over time, once that resonates, all you got to do is have somebody in the door and to start getting the real education. So whatever gets them in the door in the first place is going to be optimal. Got it, man. All right. Um, I want to make sure I ask you about Functionize as well. Um, and I've got some biohacking stuff. Uh, What about, we got a bit of time though. Um, You're all right? (laughs) A little bit? Yeah. Okay. Uh, what is what is biohacking, and from where did you get your interest in it? Because uh, sure. the first time I talked to you last time was the first time I really I've started to hear that term. But biohacking is literally uh, changing the body in some manner to do something else. Uh, you can change it for the positive. You can change it for the negative. Oftentimes, when we change it for the negative, we're uh, experimenting, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> and it goes wrong. It happens. Um, same thing goes for the positive. Um, so I think the first time, yeah, the first time, um, I ever really heard of it, I was reading a magazine and this dude said he wanted to live to 120, 120? Sounds good to me. Whatever. So Dave Asprey with Mr. Bulletproof, he got himself in the encyclopedias as being the godfather of biohacking or the father of biohacking. And uh, he's got the company called Bulletproof, and his journey was pretty much going from a heavy set guy who's miserable, brain fog, and look, he started drinking yak butter coffee at high altitudes, and he started losing all this weight. His brain worked better, his body looks better, he feels amazing, and he starts interviewing other individuals who are also of like mind. And a lot of those individuals I started following and reading about, and really understanding different things and you know, how do you sleep better? How do you improve your IQ? 
How do you run faster? How do you jump higher? I mean, all these things we've always been doing, Mm -hmm. but now it just kind of gives a little term to it. I mean, back in the day, I guess technically taking creatine um, helped me be stronger, helped me run faster, helped me hit farther, um, as did a lot of people. And other athletes take steroids, growth hormones. Mm -hmm. They're hacking their body to do things that it's not normally doing. Eating different types of foods. Supplementation is hacking the body into doing different things. It's only when you get to the extreme measures, uh, the guy that injected himself um, with an algae that was able to turn his eyes totally black so now he can see at nighttime all the time. Well, if you don't mind that you're... Uh, that your eyes are, or something. <laughs> yeah, black for the rest of your life. All right, cool. Yeah. Um, Professor Josiah Zayner, uh, out in California, he, I think he was uh, with NASA at one time, he got into CRISPR technology and realizing that CRISPR is not now a multi-million dollar thing if you want to alter your genetics. You know, for a hundred bucks, here's a needle and uh, go, inject this into you. It attaches to a virus or bacteria and gets into your cells and alters your genetics. Um, you know, that is obviously going to different levels of biohacking here, but really biohacking is doing something to change your biology. Hacking is just a cool word. Like hacking a computer, you're hacking yeah. your body to to alter whatever its current function is. Yeah, it does sound cool, and I want to take advantage of it to, you know, be better, be a better version of myself, as, a, as you say a lot. I love that. Living um, functionist. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so so you, you wrote the book Biohacking the Brain for Success, Becoming a, cha- a True Champion in All Aspects of Life. So that's a little mm-hmm. curious. For whom is this book, and why did you write the book? I wrote the book because something was kind of calling to me to to write a book. And I, I wanted to write this book particularly in order to understand and appreciate how not to be just so narrow-minded and focused on one thing. I mean, personally, for the longest time, I was focused on baseball. And then it was just focused on coaching. And then I realized, you know what, there's so much more in life. I've never been seen the Great Wall of China. I've never climbed Mount Everest. Um, we have different areas of life from professional, you know, financial, family relationships, uh, spiritual, physical, and all these aspects of life make you a more complete person. At least my, my thought process it is. So how does somebody actually work on all these different areas if they're working 12 hours a day, if they've got three kids? If, uh, you know, finances aren't the greatest all of a sudden, you're down on your luck, whatever it may be. You just got fired from a job. I mean, all these things, and sometimes all these things negatively happen at once for somebody, unfortunately. When it rains, it pours. So, absolutely. So and the other aspect with that positive mentality, um, gratitude, appreciation, and a plan, a step-by-step plan, one can go in the opposite direction. It's raining, it's pouring, good fortune, goodwill, uh, gold is coming from the heavens and all these aspects fill up these pots in a good way. So the book really is on how to get to the core. One, what is it you truly want? Because if you don't know what you want in these different areas, what are we actually trying to achieve? Somebody can be spinning their wheels for years and years and years and nothing happens because they've never actually been hyper-focused on one thing. And you can actually be hyper-focused on all these different areas, putting out the energy and the good intentions and thoughts for all these areas and being appreciative in all the different areas, 
So finding step-by-step and literally creating an action plan for yourself on how to achieve a far better and more complete life. And that was my goal and what to, to do. And hopefully, uh, you know, it's helped some people along the way. And uh, hopefully one day my kids will actually read it and uh, yeah. may resonate. Who knows? Well, they may look so. at it and say, Daddy, this is terrible. <laughs> what were you thinking? <laughs> <laughs> or they can say, Dad, this has been great. Uh, I appreciate it. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, it's something to look forward to to see how it holds up over time, and if it, you know if you're really saying something helpful, and I I expect uh, knowing and hearing you now, I expect that it's gonna gonna stand the test of time. Um, I, I read somewhere you believe the most accepted theories are not always the prime methods for which the human body was designed to function, and that it is only through questioning the ex- an extensive research that we may find the right answers, which may at times be paradoxical. Uh, can you give us some examples of this, these uh, accepted theories that are not prime and some paradoxical right answers? <laughs> yeah. Well, there's a time um, in everyone's life where they're just told things and they're expected to just go along with it, right? Oh, yeah. So without questioning, all right, why am I having to do this? Why am I having to wear this? Why am I supposed to act this way? Um we're nothing more than little uh, little lemmings, little sheep going along for the ride. Mm-hmm. And we don't actually learn, understand, and appreciate. Uh, just simply followers at that point. Yeah, I, I don't see how someone's going to make that true impact on the world in a positive way. I always felt that when you go someplace, you should leave it better than when you got there. So if we, we've been fortunate enough, we're in this world, how can we leave far better. And I think if we just go along with, you know, what mainstream media tells us that we're not going to be able to leave our mark in a positive manner on the world for future generations to come. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So literally question, find the right answers. And from there, those right answers, as long as it doesn't harm yourself or harm others, go with it. Mm-hmm. And you might be surprised. And it's not always the popular way. If everyone's jumping off a bridge, you're going to jump off a bridge. Um, uh, only if they're not going to die and it's slow enough and it looks like a fun time on an afternoon. Yeah, but, right. <laughs> um, it's, it goes back to the road less traveled. Taking that road less traveled. It may not be the most popular road and oftentimes a change in a paradigm meets with violent resistance as part of that uncomfortable time. But once you get past that, the paradigm can be changed and great things can absolutely come from it. The world's Apparently it's not flat anymore yep. and uh, kind of works out great for air travel and ship travel and people aren't freaking out. <laughs> I got it. Yeah. I mean, and uh, yeah, so I, I see that. So you've really got to, you have to be right. You have to find out what's true if you want to act regardless of what's going on. And you say it's not often popular. I'd say it's often unpopular, uh, the, the right answers um, in a lot of things. So yes. I'm right on board with that. I, I wonder how does this maybe, are there any kind of, um, Examples in, well, no, maybe I was going to ask you about some particular, I guess, diet, nutrition, fads, and things that people follow that are really suboptimal or counterproductive, even that people are really eating and swallowing without thinking about it. Sure. There's the, um, the seafood diet. I'm buying whatever I want. I am seeing it. I'm eating it. <laughs> um, when it one of the fad diets out there is, let's go and pick on the keto diet. Okay. Uh, I say that uh, currently uh, making a movie called The Keto Project. 
I want to ask you about it. Absolutely. So I've been traveling the country, soon to be traveling the world, speaking with different experts. I had one of my colleagues here who will do anything if it's a challenge, and uh, especially if it's for science. Yeah. And he agreed for 30 days to eat his caloric requirement in only hamburger patties, in this case here from a suboptimal, at least what we think to be suboptimal, and in this case was Burger King. We're not picking on Burger King, but we had a double-blind study, and of all the fast food restaurants, everybody unanimously picked Burger King was the one he was going to eat. So for 30 days, he ate nothing but Burger King patties and drank water, 20 of them to be exact. So he ate 600 patties over the course of 30 days. Wow. Oh, the fun part was driving through the drive-thru on that one and uh, yeah. ordering uh, 140 burgers. No buns, no condiments, nothing else, just the patties. And uh, hey, having your it way. Great. That's yeah, great. right? <laughs> so we quantified everything. We used a Fit 3D scanner. Um, we drew liquids out of him from every which way um, for all the labs. Uh, did physical testing, gave him a uh, modified NFL combine along with some uh, things that we have here in the lab. Uh, put everything up on the website at functionize.com backslash keto.html so yeah. people can follow along on what he's doing there. This 30 days here, he's staying in a state of ketosis, but we're doing a little bit of a pescatarian diet with some insoluble fiber. I call it phase rotor rooter. And then... Yeah. Because I got to say his labs after the first three days were atrocious. If okay. he was a 50-year-old man, I would have said, all right, stop. If he was doing the experiment and otherwise, okay, you're, you're going to die soon. We should do wow. something about this. It was that bad from where it started to where it went. Mm -hmm. And then uh, the final 30 days is going to be a um, all-end grass-fed beef diet. Again, his caloric requirement, so he's not going to be gaining or losing weight. Yeah. My contention is quality of food. And the reason I picked keto diet here when I said uh, the fad and brought this movie project that we're putting together, hopefully to be up on Netflix, is going to be, um, it's all about quality of food. Mm -hmm. um, the fad diets, whether it's keto, paleo, um, you name it, somebody can tweak a name around the diet there. A lot of the foods are not quality foods. Mm -hmm. They have chemical names that are super long They've got things in there that are not necessarily being listed. Uh, one of the individuals we spoke to uh, down at the University of South Florida the other day, uh, Dominic, Dr. Dominic Diagostino, uh, mm -hmm. uh, he's been doing 24-hour constant blood glucose monitoring and even fat bombs that he's uh, been consuming. He puts the has the glucose monitor on his arm the entire time. He's having a fat bomb. It's nothing but pure fat. And he's having a glucose response to it. There should be zero glucose response. If anything, super minimal. But he's having a response nonetheless, showing there's stuff in here that they're not putting on the label. Now, also long-term effects, aside from quality of food, long-term effects with a strictly ketogenic diet, which was created for somebody who has epilepsy as a medical treatment. Mm -hmm. um, it starts to slow down and interfere with thyroid function. Eventually, it's going to interfere with liver function. So unless the individual truly needs to be in a state of ketosis 24-7 for the rest of their lives, what are they doing? There's really no purpose. Uh, a lot of people say they want to lose weight. Great. On a keto diet, you lose a lot of 20 pounds of water weight right off the bat. Anybody can do that. So <laughs> adding some carbohydrates to it, some very low glycemic, whole food carbohydrates 
can be a good thing, especially later on in the day. Um, a lot of people think, oh, you need all day to burn carbs. Well, there's only four calories per gram of carbs, nine calories per gram per fats. It's going to take you longer to burn the fats off throughout the day than the oh, carbs. Yeah. So you might as well have your fat earlier on in the day. You can remain in a state of ketosis that you naturally had from the night before, carry that through and have some more carbohydrates towards the end of the day. And there's enough ketone bodies in order to perform still high levels. As an endurance athlete, you're going to probably want to be in a state of ketosis because it's been shown that the ketones are a better source of fuel than having to constantly intake the carbs and the glucose throughout the entire event or the training that you're doing here. Uh, even going to high altitudes or extremely low altitudes underwater, your body and your brain work better off of ketone bodies. But we are naturally made to live off of glucose, so we just want to make sure that we're not taking an influx of glucose, having an excess of glucose floating around the blood. That's where we're going to start causing damage in our blood vessels. That's where we're going to start taking that glucose and storing it as body fat. Um, so fad diets, you know, I'm only picking on the ketogenic diet because it is such a fad right now. And most people, if you ask them, what is a ketogenic diet? They're going to say, oh, you eat all fat or, oh, you eat all protein. Well, it's not when you all eat protein because too much protein, you start elevating insulin levels and get that spike as well. Eat all fat. Okay, great. But what is it really? It's a ketogenic diet is simply having a high level of ketone bodies in the blood. Typically one, two, three millimoles per liter of ketone bodies in the blood. You can get up towards five or six, great. You start getting over that and you start going into a little bit of ketoacidosis. Uh-huh. And that in itself is very detrimental as well. It takes a lot to get into that. You got to be diabetic mostly to get into that, but you start taking a lot of exogenous ketones too much and you can start falling into that. So it's very scientific in what you're doing there. But I say keto seems to be the the biggest trend going on lately or the fad going on lately. So that's really why I said that. And, uh, you know, cheap plug for the movie coming out. Yeah, (laughs) not a cheap plug. I wanted to ask you right about it, but you've given me a lot on it. So, yeah, that's that's really great. I'm really looking forward to that. You say it might be a couple years off. Is that right? I say a couple years off. Uh, I'd love to say, you know what, I'm done. It's out. We're going to go for it. But if you want to do something quality, it takes time. Sure. So I'm anticipating within the next six months, all the filming will be done and complete. We'll have everybody that I need in there, um, the entire screen board done. And then it really comes to editing, which is going to involve a lot of caffeine and a lot of time <laughs> sitting in a dark room and, you know, splicing the right parts together, having the music yeah. hit in the right part. Um, uh, fortunate to have a very good expert along with me. I have not done that since I was a freshman in undergrad. And the uh, when I start off as a communication major, so he's going to help out a lot, and that I anticipate to be another six months. So we've got already we're going out over a year there. Then there's the marketing efforts. I mean, once we get into film festivals, great, but I just don't want it to get into a film festival or Netflix and have it die there. I want everyone to read it and watch it. Yeah. Um, you know, the book that comes out with it, I want to read, but I want everyone to watch it. I want to keep them clicking that and have them talking about it and doing podcasts about it, and uh, you know really make it a really big part because I really am feel emphatically that this is going to be a game changer movie uh, for a lot of people. It's going to be absolutely amazing. So much time, such wonderful people, very fortunate to have some high quality experts that have agreed to be a part of the film. And, uh, you know, I want them to see it. So part of that's going to then be the marketing aspect of it. Yeah. Um, aside to that. So all this stuff takes time. Well, you've got a pre-order right here, so I'm, I'm waiting for it. I'm watching it, so there you go. It will be there. <laughs> so, um, 
so I love this one. Uh, this is a big one. Uh, you, you say you strive for extraordinary in everything you do, but yet you realize this is, quote, extraordinary is achieved not by achieving extraordinary feats, but by doing the ordinary day in and day out better than everyone else. Can you break that down, that incredible piece of advice? Right. Uh, the luckiest people in the world get there usually that luck breaks three, free in about 10 years. So it's yeah. not an overnight thing. Overnight sensations do not happen overnight. They, they're struggling. They are grinding day in and day out. They are following their passion. They're working, working, working. And it appears they were overnight sensations, but they weren't. They've been working at the craft for that long. And so that's what we, I feel, need to do. We don't just sit back and wait. You know, I'm now an Instagram influencer because I put up my first post. No, no, it doesn't happen that way. Yeah, um, I'd like to see that person. Right. You know, I, I can step in the batter's box uh, against Garrett Cole, and I'm going to drive the ball over the center field fence, uh, my very first time up. You know, I've never swung a bat before in my life, but I'm that lucky one today. No, again, you're not going to hit the ball most likely. It's only through countless repetitions again and again and again. So finding the right lifestyle habits, sticking to those lifestyle habits in all those, you know, going back to biohacking the brain for success, it's all those different aspects of your life that you're doing. Are you going to bed on time every night? Are you getting quality, restful sleep? Are you getting up at the same time every morning? What's your morning routine like? Is it the most beneficial for you? Are you being the most efficient with your time on that one? Whatever your art and craft is, are you doing that? And are you being efficient and productive with that? Is there anything else that you could do for that? Um, are you showing love to your mother, uh, your father, your, your wife, your, your brother, your sister, whatever it is? Um, and really honing in on all those things. And over time, it's going to happen. Whatever it is you're looking to happen, it's going to happen. But it takes time and it takes steps. Following those steps, that practice every single day yeah. after day after day. You're not skipping a day. You're getting up the next day and you're doing it again. You do that, you'll end up looking back, you know, in 100 years from now and realize, wow, I had a successful life. Um, if you don't do those things, you look back and say, I just wasted my entire life. What was with that? looking for a homer right i mean you know. exactly but yeah you know thanks jim this is because this point's so important to me i wanted to hear someone articulate it a different way because it's something I, I just see so many people are really thinking they have to do some make some grand gesture i gotta write a novel or i gotta change the world or i have to like <laughs> become you know do do a crazy triathlon just to be a good person and it's like no you can just take care of your business day in and day out and then uh, you know, that's how I approach my life. And then there are some certain jumps. I hit a, a triple or something like that, and I get right. propelled forward. And those are very rewarding and fun. But it's not what I'm just just kind of out there blindly and hoping for that every day. I know that it's little steps are going to what's going to bring me. So and that's it. Yep, absolutely. I got it. And in baseball, I am still looking for my first homer. But uh, I don't swing for homers, <laughs> but I just try to hit the ball hard. I've been playing for a few years now to get in there. And, uh, yeah, it's it. I hit it. I, I got a, a ground rule double the other day, uh, Jim. Bounced and went over the thing. I almost thought I had one. Hey. Oh, My that's got to be exciting as anything. Yeah. Good for you. 
Very nice. is, yeah, so we'll see. One day I'll get there. But, uh, <laughs> but in the meantime, I'm hitting to get on base, and then things happen there. That's how we build our runs past the bat. Let's go. And that's how we approach the game. That's how I approach. And hey. one day it's just going to hit the right spot and go fly out. But Hey, when the Yankees were winning every single year underneath Joe Torre, they were not sitting back for the home runs. That didn't happen to Girardi, and they haven't won really after that. Um, yeah, it was that small ball, just getting those base hits, bunting, getting a guy over, scoring runs, and holding the other team to less runs, and that's how teams win. Small ball, and I am. We are, by the way, everybody talking about life here. Uh, we are analogizing yeah. baseball. That was a metaphor too. So. Yes, exactly. So, um, just a couple of questions on functionized. What is functionized? Uh, there seems to be a lot going on. They got the podcast, the YouTube channel, the Fit Lab. There, like, what is functionized? Functionize is being a better version of yourself. And we encompass that in all aspects. And, you know, you can't change the world overnight. So we attempt to change the world one person at a time. Functionize really is a brand. And my dream, my goal is to have Functionize become a worldwide brand, such as Nike or Apple, where everybody is literally getting up every day, looking for that day to be for them to be better than they were when they woke up in the morning. Mm-hmm. And rinse, lather, repeat. And I think if everybody yeah. does that and gets behind that, the entire world's going to be a better place. People are going to be healthier, maybe smarter. They're going to be happier. Um, it, it can't go wrong if everyone's simply striving to just be a better version of yourself. Mm-hmm. And so we utilize, again, minimal effective dose when it comes to exercise so you can get back to your job, you get back to your family. Um, podcasts is ways to educate individuals on the questions that I'm asked day after day after day or just some really cool topic that I think people are going to be very interested in that they've never heard about before yep. to open up and stimulate new conversation there. Um, our healthy happy hours on Tuesdays, our fun Fridays, are just a way to be out there and go live with individuals and do the same thing as in the podcasts as well. Um, yeah, everything that we do here in the community is simply to promote that message, to be a better version of yourself. And uh, slow moving at first, and then, as you say, you get a double, you get a triple. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, people are starting to really get it now, and I love it. I, I love all the talk and uh, the excitement around it. And it never, you know, people say, i got to go to work. It's not work if you enjoy it. And everybody here we really enjoy what we're doing well that's good for you and i am subscribed i've been checking out some functionized videos and stuff it's fun and uh, informative what what is uh functionized what does the name mean to be functionized i mean you said a better version of yourself i love that but what what is yeah. that yeah it's what's the, in the name it's to optimize your function okay, okay. uh so we have function eyes i literally combine both words together yep. and whether the function is mental whether the function is physical whether the function is on some spiritual realm there's some function that you're optimizing and that is what the entire definition comes down to. All right. Well, you know, uh, I've taken up a lot of your time. I got some other little fun stuff on, but there's so much here, maybe another time. Uh, but oh, for today, I'll, cool. I'll let you go get on your fun Friday and, and all that. So, um, I would just say to listeners before I let Jim go and ask him uh, where you can find him, uh, please share this vid- this uh, this um, video, this podcast. Um, you know somebody who can benefit from this. Uh, learn about Jim. Learn about Functionized. Um, there's way he's so deep. Like I said, the range. I had to cut out half of the questions I was going to talk to him about, and there's still more beyond that. So go find out about Jim. 
um, share this interview and then ask questions uh, to us. Uh, ask, well, you probably don't have questions for me. Nobody ever does. But oh, for Jim, you would, <laughs> right? You can ask questions right in the comments section, wherever you're consuming. You can go to the uh, Mr. Brightside Facebook page, facebook.com slash matthewbolton.ca. Ask a question um, and go check out Functionize. Well, Jim, is that where people should go and, and where should people go if they want to contact you directly and learn about you? Sure, absolutely. You can go to functionize.com, F-U-N-C-T-I-O-N-I-S-E-D.com. On there, if you want to follow the Keto Project movie, we've got a tab on there that simply says Keto, so you can get some unedited behind-the-scenes stuff, some photos that uh, come out, and uh, some very large descriptions of exactly what's going on if you like to get a little technical or just a little bit about who we're interviewing, some of the professionals, um, professional athletes, professional uh, professors, if you would, um, Mm -hmm. as being a part of that. Also on Facebook and Instagram, everything is at Functionize, F-U-N-C-T-I-O-N-I-S-E-D. And, uh, you know, you can DM me right there. Um, it'll get to me. And I will respond to 100% everybody. I, you know, when Jeff Bezos was start up Amazon, uh, he always made a priority. He may take a week, but I'll get to you. He always responded to everybody, and I'm about to do that same too. So I will get back to you personally. Sounds excellent, Jim. Uh, Let me say to listeners before you sign off here, you've heard Jim here, question the experts and extensive research. Think about what is the right way to do things and then execute those ordinary feats day in and day out and achieve optimal human performance in your own life or functionized performance, I'll say. Uh, I'll see you guys next time. One little bonus one. Got the Jays here. uh, Nice. Yeah. Canada Canada represent. But... uh, (laughs) How do you like the Jays this year, real quick, and and what and then in the coming years, anything you see there? Just for some of my friends will be interested in this. Yeah, personally, I see the Jays doing what they always do. Is going to be they got some a lot of hype. They get a few guys. They get some rookies that come up, and then they're going to expand the team, and that's that. Oh no! And, and the as long as the Yankees are still in the same division, and the Rays are still doing what they're doing, I think the Jays are going to be uh, a constant third, fourth every single year once they get serious and say we're going to stick with the team they're going to be with us for the next decade uh we want to keep our rookies we want to groom them we want them to be a blue jay and then take a few free agents fill those gaps like they keep doing and then disbanding everything um okay then they could have something special but they've got such a good farm system um they've got good scouts they just don't have a very good uh, front office it's like a culture. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Very good. Hey, look, it could, like often the truth is unpopular as we said, right. But, uh, <laughs> but it's a little, you gave a little optimistic uh, twist there if they do these things. So I really hope we can, you know, not squander what we've got going on here, but I guess I can't be too hopeful about it. If they're, if the Yankees are still doing their thing. Uh, how about you? Who's your team real quick? Uh, baseball. I'm a, I'm a Yankee fan. Yankees. Yeah. yeah. Born I, and raised up in the Northeast, outside of New York. I mean, a, Yankees, the first team I was going to see games where, you know, the field is greener than green. The guys are huge. Um, the voice of God is coming across the, the loudspeakers. I still remember as a little kid. And, uh, you know, that, that was my first baseball experience all the time. So, yeah. Yeah. Mr. Brightside, your time out to refresh, refuel, and refocus your mind and energy toward building an optimistic framework for flourishing. Life is good. It's up to you to choose the bright side. 